the Aggies, the Jazz, the high schools. If it's the sport you care about, we're talking about it. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Good afternoon, everybody. Eric Franson, Aj Salveson, and it's the Full Court Press. 435-752-1069. You want to hop on and join us today? Disagree with us? Disagree with AJ? It's always funny. Like, nobody will call in, but then when I see him in person, I'm like, dude, your takes suck. And I'm like, okay, well, you know what? How about you call in and tell me that? But you give them credit. They come to my face and say it. They're not scared. Maybe they're intimidated by you. Well, they aren't if they come into my face and they tell me my takes are horrible. <laughs> <laughs> They won't hide behind the phone, but they'll come in right under your grill. I love it. I love that confidence they got. Game three tonight of the NBA Finals. Game three! We're going to discuss uh, Donovan Mitchell's role in the Utah Jazz making moves this offseason. If he he plays a significant role or not, what what can he do? He will play a significant role. (laughs) And there's been some movement in the, the bowl games... Not just we talked a little bit about the schedules that were released for this 2019 season, but there's some uh, additional information about the season, the bowl situation in 2020 and moving forward. So it certainly affects the Mountain West and could affect, by that nature, uh, Utah State. So we'll get into that uh, today. Also, before we get in too deep on these other topics, I want to make sure I remind people. Last week, we had this really cool opportunity to talk to Anthony Robles. Great guy. Tremendous individual. Very successful what he was able to do. And he's doing it all on one leg. And uh, he's doing a wrestling clinic this Saturday at Ridgeline High School. And if you're not into wrestling, uh, doesn't matter. He's going to be doing a free public speaking event Saturday at 6 o'clock at Ridgeline High School. If you or anybody you know is struggling with challenges, uh, overcoming that challenge, whatever it may be, overcoming a disability, man, I couldn't recommend anything more than to go check that out on Saturday night. So His, his interview with us was wonderful. That I thought was he did a fun. terrific job. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, I know. He did a wonderful job. Um, I always, you know, I'm always amazed by them. Like, yeah, come on, dude, the guy has one leg. He's competing in wrestling and he's succeeding. Not only on the map, but off the map. He's a two-time SB Award winner of two very prestigious awards. Uh, he has he's he's got great knowledge in the uh, in the sport of wrestling. He's been named broadcaster of the year in the pack broadcaster for the conference. Um, it's it's amazing, and uh, I, yeah, I, I I'm totally with you. Um, in fact, I just talked to Luke Lofthouse a couple days ago about it, and he's actually thinking about trying to get down here and come see that and. Obviously, uh, we asked Robles about Luke, and he knows Luke really well. Luke told me, yeah, I know Anthony. He owned us in college. <laughs> <laughs> he, uh, he, has, he has a lot of respect for Anthony, and that's saying something of uh, Luke's type and Luke's stature and his, uh, his caliber and his resume in wrestling that when he says something like that about Anthony. So uh, pretty awesome, and uh, that thing's going to be packed. So get there early if you can. Get a seat. Good call. Uh, if you missed the interview, if you want to go back and listen to it again, uh, we posted it on CashValleyDaily.com. Uh, it's kind of a, a review. It doesn't go into everything we discussed because we talked about a lot of wide-ranging topics when he was on with us. But uh, the there is an article on CashValleyDaily.com that, that goes to specifically some of the things that will be talking about coming up this Saturday. So I want to make sure we got that out there before we got too far into these other topics because – it's important. I think people need to be uh, participating in things like that, attending events like that, and hearing from positive role models. I think that would do all of us good. Absolutely. Uh, so coming up tonight, NBA, Game 3, Golden State and Toronto. How important is this game? Well, when you look at the history of the NBA Finals, when there's a series that is that opens up tied 1-1, whomever wins Game 3 goes on to win... 31 of 38 times. Does that tell you how important tonight is? It's huge. Monumental. And Golden State may be doing it without Clay Thompson. They will be doing it without Kevin Durant. They will be doing it without Kevin Looney. 
Now, some people have said, look, they did it without, they won in Toronto without those guys in the closing moments in the fourth quarter. Can they, can they keep doing it? Can they do it again? That's the real question. Uh, I'm really looking forward tonight for uh, to tonight. Uh, I, I think that Toronto gets this game. I'm going for Toronto. And I think that, uh, yes, it shows that we just saw something that uh, Golden State, they're like, they've won 32 of the last 34 games when Steph Curry plays oh, and Kevin dude, Durant no, doesn't. We need to stop that garbage. Golden State is 35-5 and five over the last three seasons. No, dude, give that up. But it's not just Kevin Durant. It's likely Clay Thompson won't be there either. So well, Steph Curry <laughs> will be the only guy on the court that will consistently be a threat offensively. Well, I love it. I mean, Clay gave himself the green light. He's like, yeah, I'm good. I feel fine, and I'm ready to go for tonight. I want to play. And then on the other hand, Steve Kerr's like, well, he's a game-time decision. We're going to see how he feels. He's going to go through some stretches and some, some pregame stuff, and we'll go from there. But he's definitely a game-time decision. And so you got, you know, give credit. I mean, he even said, you know, Clay's a guy who, if he was near death, in the, you know, in June, and he would still think he's, he would still think that he's he's fine and he'd tell you he's okay and he's ready to play. That's just who Clay is and that they do need Clay. I, I will I, I really do think so. Um but again, this team's just so darn good. I mean and look, they're back at Oracle. All the pressure is on Toronto now, Eric. There's I mean really it's all on Toronto. You split at Toronto. Now you gotta go win two. At least you gotta at least get a split. But if you lose tonight, you're in deep trouble for Game 4. Because if you go down 3-1 going back to Toronto, maybe Durant's good by then. Well, and let's before we get into that, let's hear from Clay Thompson. He says he wants to play, believes he can play. If he does, he won't be running around very hard, I can't imagine. But he says he's going to try to give it a go, although he's listed still as questionable, just still a few hours before tip-off. Well, he says he's feeling well and that he's feeling a lot better today than he did yesterday, and uh, he thinks he'll he'll be ready to go. Um, but yeah, as I said the other night, that's Clay's always going to say he's ready to go, and um, what we'll have to determine uh, is uh, is that a risk? Uh, you know, if he plays, are we risking uh, anything? Uh, if the training staff feels good about his ability to go out there and play without. Um, making things worse, then he'll play. That was Steve Kerr, not Clay Thompson. But uh, Clay Thompson is a guy who who wants to go. But this could be a long series, and so if he rushes in to tonight, and then it hampers him from being able to do anything in games four, five, six, maybe even seven then that could be real problematic. If he takes the time to get healthy where he can be more of a factor on the court, then he could probably help his team get this thing done sooner rather than later. But I I would be surprised. Honestly, I would be surprised if Clay Thompson plays. And if he does, it, if he plays more than 10 minutes. Who, Clay? Yes. Plays more than 10 minutes? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, he's playing more than ten minutes, Eric. If he plays, he's he. And what's the whole? Well, he's not going to run hard. Hey, hold on! I'm going to take a nice stroll up the court. I'll get there when I do. Just you know, uh, run the uh, run the ISO nine play. I'll I'll get there to the left wing to catch that ball and hit the three. Give me about five minutes though, will you? Well, they could do like what San Antonio used to do. Just park Bruce. They would park Bruce Bowen in the corner. And they would run all these other plays, and he would just stand there. And people would eventually forget that he was there because of all the other motion going on. And then all of a sudden, out of the blue, the ball would shoot out to the corner, and he'd knock down a corner three. Yeah. LeBron James tried that in the first NBA Finals versus the Mavericks when he was with the Heat. That didn't work so well. Bruce Bowen, it worked a lot better. Uh, I could see that. I could see little, I mean, little less... Less movement from Clay on the offensive side to reduce injury or chance of injury or strain or whatever, but he's gonna run hard. But I mean, he's gonna want to run hard. I just don't think he can run hard. Hold on, hold on. Do you want to rephrase what you had said? 
Because I, I think that he will want to. I just don't think he can. Okay, that works. Because uh, it's not about his desire or his competitive nature. I wouldn't. That I'm not questioning that at all from Clay Thompson. I just wonder how it, physically will he be able. I don't think he will be physically able to play more than ten minutes if he even plays at all. He'll get out there if he does. He'll get out there. He's going to act like. I'm okay. I'm going to be tough. I'm going to be a warrior, and then he's going to come up lame, and he'll have to sit on the bench and end up in the in the locker room. Uh, Just, those aren't injuries that you really mess around with. Sure. No, I agree. <laughs> but, um, you know, I. I just I don't know. I think if he goes, he goes full. And uh, they they play him as many minutes as possible, and then you just kind of see from there. I mean, they got to take a look at Iggy. I mean, we'll see how Iggy. Uh, Iggy's another guy. I'm I'm actually more worried about Iggy than I am about Thompson, because Iggy's is a re-injure. Well, and he was he was doing some things defensively, but he was awful offensively until he hit that big shot. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And, and I would have to wonder how much of a liability is Clay Thompson defensively. Oh, my gosh, Eric. Come on, stop, dude. If he can't go laterally, if he can't chase guys, Toronto should run everybody at him <laughs> and make him try to defend them. If if Thompson knew that he couldn't go defensively, I don't think he would have said he could play tonight. I honestly don't because he knows how important he is defensively to that team. I mean, he is... I'm not going to say he's more important than Draymond because Draymond is Draymond Green. But, I mean, he's dang close to that. He's he's uh, Very the, underrated with his defense. Oh, yes. oh yeah, of course. Yes. Absolutely. But, no, I, I, I think he'll be just fine defensively. I don't see how he wouldn't be okay defensively. Um, He's going to be a problem defensively. For Danny Green, or if they get a switch on, on Kyle Lowry, he's going to be a problem for him. Siakam is it could be an interesting scene. I think Siakam's more of a physical driver, so does that create problems for Thompson? Anyone who can drive to the hoop with success on Thompson will be a problem. The only thing I see is that Kawhi Leonard and Siakam are those two guys. Nobody else. Nobody else. So, I mean, again, it, it really does depend how his pregame warm-up goes. Again, Thompson says he's got the green line and he feels great. Kerr, on the other hand, is saying he's a game-time decision. we got to go through some things with him to see how it goes. Yeah, there's more Steve Kerr talking about some of the injuries that are facing the Golden State Warriors tonight and what could keep some of the guys out. Yo, what was that? What was that? What was that? trying to play your audio here, and I got weird... That's somebody what rapping. In the world was that? Something about game six in Raptors. <laughs> I didn't hear anything else. <laughs> Try that again. There's any pain. It'd be a no go just because of the position we're in. Um, By the way, know, this is Thompson for everybody series, who's wondering. So there's no point in trying to go out there and re aggravate it. Potentially keep myself out of the whole entire finals instead of just one game. So, like I guess it'll be a game time decision. But um, I really want to be out there. It's labeled Kerr. You labeled that Steve Kerr. Are you sure? Are you playing the right audio, Eric? Yes. You might be having some difficulties over there. I don't know. I'm uh, dropping but... some sick beats over here too. <laughs> uh, that's that's Clay Thompson. He says if he feels any pain because of the position they're in. He won't play tonight. But at the same time, he's kind of like, I'm good. I'm feeling okay. And Kerr's like, well, hold the boat. Let's, let's, let's make sure you're actually okay. And, and the crazy thing is, this is what's amazing, is that even if Thompson isn't a go tonight, without Durant, without Looney, Kerr's down, Kerr still sounds pretty darn confident they're going to be okay. That's how deep they are. I mean, well, I don't know that that's necessarily how deep they are, but how much they believe in their system and how much they believe in themselves. It's that championship mentality. Because uh, Quinn Cook's not like this great contributor off the bench consistently every night. I mean, he's had some big shots here and there, but he's not like this 
oh my gosh, here's your sixth man of the year. Yeah. And Jonas Jerebko, I mean, he's he'll huge. give you four minutes. He's been huge. He's been huge. So I don't know that I would say that Golden State has all this depth. I would say that they have confidence in their system and they just have that championship mentality. They believe in each other. I can agree to that. But here's three. I, I, I'm going to cross my fingers. I hope this is actually Steve Kerr. This is how you have labeled this. Or this is going to be ludicrous this again. Is Steve Kerr <laughs> talking about dealing with injuries. It could be a rap song. It could be Clay Thompson. It could be Aisha It could Curry. be Kawhi Leonard for all I know. We're going to roll the dice and see what happens. If it isn't, this system's messed up. You know, and we've been playing 100-plus games for five years now. Uh, not all of our players, but uh, our team. Um, and so we've got a lot of guys who have, have played uh, long, difficult seasons. And, um, you know, they take great care of themselves. But, um, you know, there's a, there's a certain amount of luck involved with this, too. And we know that. We've been on both sides of that. Um, some of our opponents have suffered injuries. We've suffered injuries. Um, it's just part of the part of the deal. So you just keep keep pushing forward. There's these people now with some of these injuries that are happening to Golden State. They're like, oh, the season's too long. We got to back it off a little bit because the star players aren't able to go. Well, th- this argument never comes up unless your favorite star gets hurt. I think the the regular season is long enough. I I think 82 games is fine. Uh, is it is it long? Maybe. Uh, but I applaud what the NBA has done to take away and limit the back-to-back games on back-to-back nights, consider travel. Um, I, I think the NBA season is fine. These are yeah. these are grown adults. Well, and they're getting paid millions. Yes. And you know what? They you know and if they're complaining, they should go back to nineteen ninety what five or ninety eight. You had those old jazz schedules, those little pocket. Those oh, are yeah. so cool. And we, we were looking at the schedules, and they were brutal. And they'd be like, Boston, Milwaukee, Orlando, Miami, and Detroit, all on the road, all in one week. Like Players today would have been bawling their eyeballs out. And players back then didn't take games off for quote-unquote load management. Yeah, do you think Stockton, like Jerry Sloan went to Stockton, hey, uh, listen, how you feeling? You know what, Coach? I need a game off. I just, I'm not feeling it today. All right? I mean, my cheeseburger was bad, and I watched the wrong show. I'm just not feeling it. Can I have the day off? Yeah, yeah, sure. I was playing Fortnite. When Jerry, and there's or a story. Sega Genesis. <laughs> well, there's a story in 2000. Yes, it was in 2000. Uh, and they were on a, this was like their fifth game in seven nights. They had played three road, no, two home and then three road. And, I mean, it was all over the place and just a nightmare schedule. And Jerry goes to John Stockton and says, and, and to Carl and says, hey, you're not practicing today. I want you to sit. And Stockton says, no, I'm practicing today. And Jerry says, no, you're not. And Stockton says, I'm your starting point guard. So, yes, I'm going to practice. And then Jerry said, all right, well, I can bench you. And Stockton said, fine, I'll fight you. <laughs> and Jerry just kind of smiled. Me and Jerry kind of smiled and walked away and – John Stockton and started that night, and Jerry said, "That's the thing that you miss." And this was in two thousand eight or nine. And Jerry said, "That's what I miss the most is guys begging to be on the court that who would come out and and fight me, not to not because you know I was not playing them enough or because they weren't getting paid enough or they they weren't getting the minutes or the touches. Is because he was upset that I wasn't going to let him play in the practice." And and Jerry said, I miss that. And it's crazy today. Like, you'll see Popovich do it. You know, load management, you're going to take the day off. But, but guys like Duncan hated that. Parker hated that. Ginobili hated that. Boris Diaw hated that. But there's some players that were like, yeah, I'll take a night off. I'll get paid to do a sit and watch a ball game. That they're absolutely okay with that. And, and this – and. But you know what? I, I feel like the Warriors have built that championship mentality through being tough. That, you know what? There's, I mean, Kawhi, or not Kawhi, excuse me, Curry, that Thompson hates not playing. Yes, that I agree. He will not be one of those guys that's, oh, yeah, hey, let me take some time off. Durant, same thing. Uh, you know what? I'd, I'd even dare say that uh, Andrew Bogut's another one of those guys who, you know what? I want to be on the court. 
Draymond Green is definitely one of those guys. True. And that's what's built them that. to be. That's why that, that's why this is their fifth straight finals. And this is the first time that they don't have home court advantage, which they now do. But it, that, I think that I think that's what helps them. I think that's what made the Jazz successful, the Bulls successful, especially in the mid '90s, uh, the Lakers especially, and now you look at the Warriors. Mental toughness, and you just don't see it in the NBA anymore. Let's get a perspective from the other side of the court. Uh, Nick Nurse. Um, he, this was a team that had Golden State where they wanted oh, in game God, two. Did they ever fell apart yeah. in the third quarter? Made some adjustments, locked Golden State down in the final five and a half minutes, but couldn't buy a bucket themselves. But uh, so, what what kind of changes do you have to make to get back into the series? It's always a game um, of rhythm, a little bit, and you got to watch what's happening. You know, we we've we've got, as you know, we talk a lot about our shot spectrum, the shots we're trying to get. Um, you know, we got to get a certain amount of paint touches. Um, we got to get the ball side to side. You know, those are things you just got to keep an eye on. I think we just had some lulls in those three areas in game two. Yeah, it was. It, they turned into the Toronto Raptors of some of their playoff games. Um, it, like they had this problem in the Philadelphia series when it became tight late in the game. Everybody kept deferring, and the only person who was willing to do anything was Kawhi Leonard. In this situation the other night, he was just bottled up defensively, and nobody else could make a shot. Nobody else could shake free and, and create something. So uh, that definitely has to be part of what makes them tick tonight yeah. if they want to have a chance to get this series back in their control. I would. That, you know, that's a great point. That's a great point. And, you know, I, I wonder, you know, that boxing one was interesting or I guess as uh, Steph Curry calls it, quote-unquote, janky. Just one of those things that's like, what in the world are you? I mean, yeah. and, and, and I will, you know, listen to Colin Coward today. He said, it's almost like it's something you would do in AAU ball. Something that you would do, like, in high school. But because, I mean, because in high school you got one good player and everybody else just can't shoot for the life of them. But in the NBA to do it, that's kind of gutsy, especially against gutsy. the Warriors, man. But it worked. Yeah, for, what, even even yeah. that one shot by yeah. Iguodala – one shot, one yeah. made shot in the last yeah. five and a half minutes. Man, you take that every day. But you know what? If he misses that, everyone's like, it worked. You yeah, know, what it, a brilliant it, it, strategy. Oh my gosh. And you know, and, and Iggy hits one big shot, and everyone's like, well, hold on. Warriors still beat him. No, dude. Disrespectful you, to No, nah, dude. You didn't watch the game. Well, it, it was working. And you know what? Without Thompson, it worked even more. Because then Steph they, Curry's just upset that they did that on him, and it was effective. And it worked. Yeah, he's trying to trash talk it, like, "Oh, uh, don't do that again." Say what you want, but he doesn't want him to do it again because he knew it frustrated him. And you know, I remember when when Bear Rivers three years ago did that on Jackson Brenchley, maybe four years ago, did it on Jackson Brenchley in a game at Mountain Crest, and it worked. I mean, it was golden. Another coach from the region. Texted somebody who referred the message to me and said, wow, that's uh, that's pretty desperate to play a boxing one on the best player. It's not desperation. It's smart. Because when you know nobody else on that team can score, you make your best player have to make those tough decisions of giving up the ball when he'd rather take the shot. Right, and they're going to be... Van I Vliet, showed him again. If Van Vliet not did not give tonight, him any air. If Thompson doesn't go tonight, I throw it at them again. If they do, if he does play, then it's going to make it. Because Thompson, like you said, can be a Bruce Bowen, stand in the corner, wait for the ball. It's going to get to him, and he'll hit it. But if he's not playing tonight, I throw it at them again, and I make somebody else beat me besides Curry. You know what? If they beat you besides Curry, then A, you probably aren't as good as you thought you were, and right. two, give credit to the Warriors for hitting shots. Yeah, Golden State deserves to win this championship. Yes. Every way. Absolutely. Uh, so certainly somebody that uh, plays a big role for Toronto, Kawhi Leonard, and uh, he was better in Game 2 than he was in Game 1, but he needed more help. Uh, he needed more support. But um, he gives some thoughts about to going into Game 3 and make sure that they're listening to their coach. Listening to the coach and trying to win the game. So we just, well, myself, I'll just speak for myself. I just went out there and tried to execute. Um, you know, at times coming back in transition 
on the floor. Well, we forgot that we were in it, but uh, we just kind of talked it out and still got into our locations. So uh, this this will be fascinating to see what happens tonight. Golden State's favored by four and a half. I, like I said earlier, I'm going with Toronto in this. I think Toronto wins this one. I don't think Clay plays. I think even if he does, he's not as effective, and Toronto takes advantage of that. And I like Golden State just for the fact that Golden State's been here, done that. Nothing phases them. I'll take Golden State. All right, coming up next here on the Full Court Press, let's continue some discussion about the NBA. Utah Jazz coming into a very important offseason for them. What can they do in the offseason, whether it be with trades or free agency? And what role does Donovan Mitchell play in that as Utah Jazz try to find a few more pieces to get themselves deeper into the playoffs and become a contender in the West? We'll discuss that next on the Full Court Press. Talking the sports you care about. The Full Court Press on Sports Talk Radio, 106.9 FM, 1390 AM. The Fan. Eric France and Ajay Salveson. Okay, you know what? It's really frustrating. You know, John Russell joined us on our show yesterday. He'll join us tomorrow, by the way, to... uh, Pick six plus a PAT. Yep. And then uh, we have probably Josh Parcell uh, of uh, B-Rider for the Charlotte Hornets will come talk to us or join us on an interview uh, to talk about Kemba Walker and his free agency decision. If he stays, if he goes, if it's money, if it's a championship. And, uh, and and what's going on in the Eastern Conference in regards to free agency has his ear close to the ground in that regards to having them all. But anyways, you had John Russell on yesterday, and then you guys went off, and you went golfing without me. And I just want to know why I'm not getting invites. It was a beautiful afternoon on the on the river. I don't. I didn't ask for a weather report. I asked why I'm not. I'm not. Although getting, we did get rained on. How come you guys bit. will not allow me to? I mean, what does a man got to do here to get some invites to go hang out with people? Well, I don't know what you're laughing at because this is a serious matter. It's awkward silence. Yes, it is. And all I'm looking for is a clear answer of, I mean, John comes but in for one show. Honest? Hey, John, what you doing? Swinging some foreign. Oh, hey, you want to come on? Yeah, let's do it. Hey, you think I was really going to come? No, no, no. He's busy. He's got stuff to do. Look, we already had a plan for some. Well, you can't put a fifth guy you didn't, in there. You didn't even have a fourth guy Although in there. we probably could have touched you, you in the back. You had to freaking go find a fourth guy because you said no to me coming to hang out with you and play some freaking golf. I just want to know why. That's all I want to know. Apparently the other guys were already set you up. You didn't invite me. I think I was the last one asked. To be oh, honest. you're so full of it. That's such baloney. Because after our little teaser, hey, let me talk to you. Yeah, yeah. That's key code for hey. You got your clubs? Yeah, I got my clubs. You got your clubs? Yeah, I got my clubs. Okay, let's go golf. Sports guys. <laughs> Sports. Hey, he asked me the day before. Oh, yeah. So we sure. already had oh, our so clubs. He's already kissing up to you for a spot on the show, huh? That's we already why had our clubs in hand. Great. So I'm being replaced because simply a guy had the money to take you out and go swing some greens. That's awesome. That's didn't just, pay for me. That is just. I, I paid my own that way. That is just fantastic. Wonderful. I am so grateful that my own co-host, you know what I love about Scotty and Hands is that they actually go do everything together. You know, everything. Hey, me and my wife are going on a date. You want to come out and watch a movie with us? Yeah. Cool. I mean, I'll let you hang out with me and my wife. We went and watched the game. When it comes to playing golf, <laughs> nothing. I think you're angling for something. Silence. <laughs> All right. What are we talking about now? Oh, jazz. I, I got distracted with your self-pity over there. Well, I hope it made you feel guilty that next time, hey, when you guys are going to go play putt-putt, all right, you'll, you'll, you'll allow me to come. Maybe I was afraid that you'd make fun of me because I'm a horrible golfer. I'm a worse golfer, and I'm from India. All right, I represent the VJ Sings of the world. 
So, yeah, I've got more pressure on me than you have on you. So the Utah Jazz are entering the – they're in the offseason, a very important offseason for them. It's time we get this show back on track. Dennis Lindsay's on the hot seat here, I would say. I think there is some important focus that needs to be put on what he's able to do with this team, uh, whether it be in Especially trades this year. Yep. or in free agency. Yep. He's already admitted at the end of the season this past year saying the Jazz will be more aggressive. We thought we could do it on our own, develop our own guys to the point where we could be a contender. And then you just it's realize clear that, that we can't. <clears throat> yeah. It's clear that we need other people to come in and help us. Yes. So what role does Donovan Mitchell, or I guess we could include Rudy Gobert in this as well, but I think Donovan is more of that big personality. He interacts with other stars on social media. Rudy really doesn't. Rudy kind of keeps to himself. But what role does Donovan Mitchell play? In all this, is the the Jazz trying to take that next step here in the offseason? Well, it's the same role that Rudy played in trying to get Gordon Hayward to stay. It's the same role that LeBron James is playing to get guys to come to him. That that James, I guess Chris Paul plays, Dwayne Wade had played. Kobe Bryant didn't do it, actually, to be honest with you. He didn't need to. Yeah, it's, it's, isn't that amazing? I think there's some players oh that my gosh. they don't need to. Oh, I love that point. I almost got chills when you said that. Because I almost, almost say Kobe, I'm like, no, he didn't. Jordan didn't do that either. That, no. that, that's what's amazing. They never look, went, said, hey, I'm going to the championship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With or without you, I'm going. You know, this is kind of what we need, maybe. But I'm going there. And if you want to come along for the ride, okay, that's cool. Yeah, but I'm going to go there. So he he does play that superstar role in saying, "Hey, we can, you know, come see what or come be a part of what we're doing because this building that they're building in it, you know, it took a few bricks off the layer after the the uh, um, bad taste that they have in their mouth after getting dispatched by Houston in five games. So they are looking for help, and they've been humble. And I think if anything, Dennis Lindsay has been humbled because he he brought this team back as it was, losing Drepko and and you know, in losing Goran Hayward and just on and on and on, he thought well, we can still make this happen with this roster. Goes in there and he gets his. You know, I mean, they got the rear ends handed to him. To be honest with you, they really did. And I think Dennis Lindsay, there's pressure on him to say, and from the fans and from the NBA world saying, prove to us that you're not a one year fluke or a two year fluke, that you actually can compete in this Western Conference. And I and I think he's going to Donovan saying, look. You're a big part of what this organization and this team can become in the future. And we need you to send that message out to those guys that we have interest in. Um, and like you said, there was a Q&A uh, for, to Donovan, and he had a chance to talk about what Utah means. And, and that's what he does is he uses his voice to talk about Utah as a whole, not just a team, but Utah as a state. Right. If I think that Donovan Mitchell can do – the, the the best job in this role is how he sells the state of Utah and oh my City gosh as a whole. Uh, there was a Q and A. Donovan Mitchell put on a basketball camp at his home high school back in which is cool New York Connecticut area, <laughs> and so somebody with the athletic caught up with him, and a lot of interesting stuff in there. But uh, one of them was uh, his role in trying to recruit players. And he says, you know, the biggest thing for me is I'm only in year two. He says, I'm friends with a lot of guys. I'm not shy of showing it on social media. Uh, he also says, I haven't really pitched someone. He says, there's never been an opportunity for that because a lot of it has just been jokes. And then later he, he, he gets into this about understanding how the landscape really works with contracts and you know free agency and... Uh, if, if someone's even available or not. He says, I'm still learning about how the salary cap works. And I'm still figuring that stuff out. Uh, later, he says, I'm just being able to have a better understanding of what I'm talking about before I get into doing that. Because he doesn't want to go after somebody and say, hey, come play with us. And then the, the team says, uh, we can't afford him. Or his his contract doesn't fit with what we're trying to do. So he's... This is really, he talks about how this is his first year really getting into this. This period of free agency last year was all over his head and he wasn't really thinking about that stuff. He's very much trying to figure it out this year. Um, and again, he's, he 
Additionally says, I don't think we're out here just trying to flip the script to bring everybody new. I think it's just fixing one or two things and then going from there. Um, and, and then, like I said, one of the other things that he does really, really well in this piece is to really highlight the state of Utah. And because there was some talk about him, you know, he's from New York. Does he feel like he's going to go to New York someday? Does he feel bad that New York passed on him in the draft? And he always says, you know, there's always what ifs. Things, he believes things happen for a reason. But then he continues to talk about how he loves the state of Utah. He says, in Utah, it's not as big. People are right there on top of you. It's amazing. They treat you amazing in Utah. Uh, he says, I think in Utah, it gives you that peace of mind because I've been around the skyscrapers and the buildings my whole life. When I get to Utah, I can sit on a mountaintop and somebody or a family will walk up and we can just sit and have a conversation. I think it's not even the fact <laughs> of so me cool. being who I am, but it's just a different vibe, and I really appreciate them. Wait, wait, wait. Tell me, sorry. And so, because I hadn't read this yet. So he said that he's like, if a family comes up, sees him, and they he'll have a conversation with them. Yeah, that's cool. I've seen him come post on. things like this. I mean, come on. He says in New York it gets a little hectic sometimes, and he laughs. Yeah, but in Utah, if I'm out to eat, they'll say we appreciate what you do and keep going. He says, yeah, there is always that. What if? There are always those what ifs. I actually thought I was getting drafted by Charlotte, so oh my host heck. those what ifs. Oh my gosh! If you're Charlotte, when you read that, do you just like, oh, I'm gonna be sick? Does your heart just drop to your stomach? I mean, because they were looking for someone to be a scorer, not around Kemba Walker, but around Dwight Howard. They were building a team around Dwight Howard. Oh my, makes me so. With that, Eric, um, Carlos Boozer was interviewed by Eric Woodyard of the. Uh, Deseret News. And and I read this because it kind of links. Without even knowledge of this article, it links to that. Carlos Boozer, when being asked about the squad as it is right now and what they can be in the future, uh, he says this. They're a player away. I like Derek Favors. I love Rudy Gobert. I really like Donovan Mitchell. His maturity. The way he handles himself on and off the court. The way he interacts with his teammates and with other players that are not a part of the team. But if they can get one other big free agent to come to Utah and join that roster that can score inside out, give Donovan a little bit of a break from having the huge scoring load that he has on his shoulders every night, that would be big. And then he mentions a couple of guys. He actually talks about a couple of teams. He says when him and D. Will together, he went to the organization, to the managership, management, excuse me, and he says, we need Marcus Camby. He or was a Marcus Camby type guy. Yeah, or a Marcus Camby type guy who had size to compete with you know, the Tim Pau Duncan. Gasol, Tim Duncans, and that roster. Shaquille O'Neal. Oh, my gosh. Uh, he says, I like that foundation. I just thought they were a player away, like an all-star player away from being a real contender. Speaking of the Utah Jazz right now. Uh, and he also, besides that, he talked about the lifestyle in Utah. And kind of not really specifically about, yeah, like you said, not knowing about what Donovan was going to say. But he says, when I played there, there was a stigma that it's just very white, to be quite frank. That it's very white, not open to blacks or African-Americans. But they are, though. Carl Malone's been 18 years there, you know. And people go that go play there like to live and stay there. Even after Darren Williams left, got traded to New Jersey and went on with the rest of his career, he still kept his house there. You know, and people that go play there like to live and stay there. Um, and he says... Uh, he kept his house in Utah. And I just came back again this year to go snowboarding. But there's just like this bad stigma of Utah that it's not black friendly, but it is. He says, I saw what happened with Russell Westbrook with that one fan, but that one fan isn't all the fans. That's the isolated case. It may happen from time to time, but maybe it's that same guy every other year, but now he's been banned from the arena. So and and, and you know what? That's not the only really arena it's ever happened Utah. in either, by the way. And, 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 okay, so, and I'm going to throw out this pedestal and stand on it once again, but, I mean, me being colored and the way I am, I can honestly, the amount of color friends I have, and I swear to life this, I can probably count it on one hand, maybe a couple more than that. Everybody, all my other friends are white, and they all treat me wonderfully. I've never had an issue with them. Now, sure, there's people out there who don't like me for whatever reason. In fact, I'll sometimes go into a store and an older individual might give me a look. Um, 
and and and, and my first thought goes, well, they just don't like me because I'm colored, which is probably the wrong way to go about it. But there 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 are those those light instances, and I think that I mean, Cephalos has talked about it before. He's dealt with an incident himself in New York. Um, you know, and uh, Epke Udo, you know, has talked about it. He's voiced his his concern about it. So it's it's something that it it definitely can you it, it can be I, what's the word it can happen and you might feel it but one person like uh, Carlos Boozer said one person doesn't make up for everybody so yeah but you know what I, I think Donovan Mitchell will be a great recruiter by the way um, Donovan Mitchell is is going to be participating in the USA basketball minicamp how cool is that. That's what it sounded like. That seems to be heading that direction, unless anything more official. Adrian, well, Adrian Waldronowski reported that it's that it is happening. Um, that Donovan Mitchell will be part of that Team USA minicamp, which is that is a great experience for a second-year player, Eric. Tremendous. Uh, Gordon Hayward had that opportunity. I think it really helped his game. It opened mm-hmm. his eyes. Sure did. When you're at a camp with the true stars of the NBA, you see how they work. You see how they act. You see what it is they do on a regular basis, and it, it can be eye-opening for a yeah. young player. Well, and, and, and let's remember this, is, is, is that Donovan's a heck of a lot more talented. Yeah, Donovan's a heck of a lot more talented than Gordon Hayward and athletic, and that guy learns and just drools basketball. He, I mean, come on, he's going to be working out with Dwayne Wade this summer. I mean, the guy wants to learn, and he's going to ask you a billion questions to be a better basketball player. He does it not just to have his name next to your name, but because he actually wants to learn how to be a better player. And when you have that kind of mentality and you have that kind of reputation in the league, in the league, people are willing to be there for you. And that's what Donovan Mitchell's career, what a special young player he is. Uh, I think that he's pretty clear. He understands, look, I'm I'm still just a young player. Yeah, There's only so much I can really do. But... Being friends with guys, talking about how this is a good place to be, yeah. that I think that speaks volumes. Let me ask you, how worried? They'll see his work on the court. Sure. They'll see him and Rudy Gobert. They'll see that there's a young core. They'll see that there's a great, smart coach on the sidelines. They can see through some of that other stuff. It's not like they need him to be the recruiter in chief, but he he certainly plays a role, and I think he's playing it well. Hey, really quick, I know we talked about this before, but. Are you worried that he might be exhausting himself too much? Because, I mean, he's got these camps, and he's going to be going on this shoe promotion of his, and he's going to be going to Team USA's mini camp. I mean, they talked about kind of like leveling out his whole schedule so he's actually resting. Do you worry about that at all or anything? Here's what he's – I want to refer to what he said. To oh, the please, yes. That'd be awesome. How about for yourself? What are you doing this summer? Was okay, the cool. He says, fine-tuning my skills and finding ways to get better. He says, that's just being more efficient, finding ways to continue to get better. He said, and then later on he said, I still have the stat sheet from game five in the playoffs as a reminder to remember what I need to improve on. Hmm. So he, he, he talks about Damian Lillard and a few other guys that the work that they put in paid off later in the year. So, so what you do in June, July, and August Helps you. That's a good point. Following May. I just hope he has a chance to, like, you know, uh, decompress, reset himself mentally. You got knocked out of playoffs, get some rest, and then when you're ready, go back at it. Yeah, there's a couple different times in that article he references cool. getting awesome. into the gym, working on a shot, trying to improve himself because he realizes what he does now in the offseason will make him a more effective player next year. I love it. All right, coming up next, some changes in the college football bowl landscape is certainly how it affects the Mountain West Conference and I guess by nature could affect Utah State and uh, if things go well for the Aggies where they could be bowling we'll talk about that next on the Full Court Press the Aggies are number one here the Full Court Press connect with us on Facebook Twitter and online at 1069thefan.com Eric Franson, Anjay Salveson. It's the Full Court Press here on 106.9 Hey, we're on FM, Spotify and iTunes. 1390 AM. Hit me up on IT. As long as iTunes still exists. Oh, yeah. I forgot. Well, it, it kind of will and it kind of won't, I guess, huh? Well, yes. We'll, we'll adjust as Apple adjusts. But join us. 
if you right, if you missed a show, and uh, subscribe to our podcast, and uh, listen to your little heart's content. <sighs> I'm so confused. So uh, we talked about this a little while ago when the bowl schedule for 2019 and the early part of 2020 was released. Some dates pretty much the same. Others did change. Notably, the uh, Idaho Potato Bowl got moved into the early January for some dumb reason. January 3rd in Boise. <laughs> but That still makes me laugh. Many of the other things that uh, the, the tie-ins were relatively unchanged and the the mountain west still has several different tie-ins that oh. similar to what was there before but when you look at the following year in 2020 this and early part of 2021 there are some new developments so as of next year the las vegas bowl will no longer be a mountain west bowl tie-in or a mountain west team tie-in uh, it'll be pac-12 versus sec well congratulations I hope that you Power Five conferences are so happy having your losing record five and six football teams getting into a bowl like that. I hope you guys enjoy that. Meanwhile, uh, I was looking at this, and I had earlier told you that it's the Fenway Park Bowl. It is no longer, but Stadium is saying that it is actually the Los Angeles Bowl at well, Los Angeles Stadium you. at Hollywood Park, Pac-12 versus Mountain West. And is expected to play in in the Independence Bowl against the ACC is the Pac-12. So that's okay, isn't it? Los Angeles Stadium. This is the new one that's being constructed. Uh huh. For next year. Yeah, yeah, that'd be great. You'd be all right with that. Southern so, California. So would that be the number one in for, December? Would that be for the Mountain West champs? Or would that be for somebody else? I believe that would be the Mountain West champion would go to that bowl. Okay, because because they seed it because they kind of placed it by seeds, right? So, like, your dibs. Like, who has first dibs? So, how come if we were second, I guess, I mean, New Mexico Bowl isn't horrible, but, I mean, Boise State got to go to that. Well, I mean, well, they were supposed to play in that bowl game. The uh, first aid or the emergency, what is it? The First the, responders? Yeah, again, in the, in the Boston, against Boston College. I mean, obviously, that ended up not happening, unfortunately. Oh, that's right, because of the crazy weather. Yeah, and so they canceled it, and obviously there was some very upset people, but I don't know. I just kind of wonder how they seed these things. And where would you see the Idaho Potato Bowl next year? <laughs> I mean, is that... Probably still in January. Yeah. Well, I mean, is that going to be your third-place team? Because, I mean, that buyout's still pretty good. I think the payout payout is what you mean. Yeah, payout. Sorry. I think the payout for the Potato Bowl is higher than the New Mexico Bowl, so I think that it was and would probably still continue to be the third place team. Wow. So I wonder how much this this Los Angeles Bowl will pay. So you have the options depending on how you finish. You could go to Los Angeles. You could go to New Mexico. You could go to Boise. You could go down to Tucson. But there's no more Las Vegas. Uh, there's yeah. also uh, right. There's also the tie-in with the Armed Forces Bowl in Fort Worth, Texas. At least that is for that's the case for this upcoming season. Which that's that's not a bad tie-in. No, no, not at all. I'd actually be okay with that. Um, just looking at this this bowl schedule. Yeah, so the Arizona Bowl, of course, December 31st, Mountain West and Sun Belt. Uh, the Armed Forces, as you said, Armed Forces Bowl. That'd actually be a great bowl. So would that go? Okay, so then that's another question. That's a Mountain West versus Big Ten. So would that be the, that'd be the number two team, wouldn't it? That'd have to be. Because that's an all right bowl. Yeah, that's a good destination, good venue. Great would, Big Ten team, Big Power Ten five. Team. Oh, you'd be okay with that. Yeah, if you can end up in one of those two bowls in Fort Worth, man, that'd be that'd be something. I'd be okay with that. Obviously, that's not this year; that's next year. But but are you or, sad to see the the Mountain West will no longer be in Las Vegas? No, it's time to move on. And you know what? If we're if we're replacing Las Vegas for the Los Angeles new stadium for Pac-12, Amen. Let's do it. I, I, I would not mind that at all. And you know what? I'm pretty sure a good Pac-12 team would be very okay 
and I'm saying like UCLA, Cal, <laughs> just a hop, USC and a would love to be in that bowl game. They're not complaining about going to the Las Vegas Bowl. They're happy to be playing just, as you said, a hop, skip, and a jump at the new Los Angeles Stadium with all the wheels and whistles and bells and And buttons. even the schools to the north, uh-huh. Washington, Washington State. Yeah, Oregon, there you go. They would there you go. all love to go down to Southern California in yeah, December. Yeah, in December. Huh. Yeah, I think that's a that's actually an upgrade. It, it's maybe harder to get to because you could drive down to the Las Vegas Bowl. You can make it there in a day watch the game, and to come back the next day. Yeah. Um, there's – it's not like it's hard to get to Southern California, but um, I actually think that that might help attendance because it's going to be a destination location, um, and that that's it's going to make it fun. It's a beautiful – should be a very beautiful state-of-the-art stadium, and Mountain West gets to be a part of that. That's I think that's huge. Yeah, that's okay. That, yeah, that's just fine. There, there's no problem with that. I uh, I just hope, you know, and, and, and I guess I kind of wonder, so if a Mountain West team, if, and I say if, they go to a, we got to get going here, if they go to a big bowl game like one of the New York Six Bulls games, do they still get to keep all their bowl tie-ins? Does that? If they have enough teams. Okay, if they do. Okay, that makes right. sense. If they have enough eligible teams, they'll got send it. them. Questions answered. Yep. Uh, so anyway, it's it's interesting to see how that's uh, changing, and um, can't say that uh, some of the new bowls that are being added are kind of exciting, actually. For once, for once, it's been a while since we've actually been in that regard, right? Because some of the new bowl games that that tend to be added here recently are just bad, bad man. They're horrible. They're hard for people to get to. Nobody's interested. They don't have that recognition. But this could be really exciting for the Mountain West Conference football. Moving forward. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise. Typically, training camp is a time for blind optimism across the NFL. But since the offseason has exploded in popularity, we've moved our timeline up. Now, mandatory minicamp is a time to start thinking about just how good your team could be this year. Right now, fans are eating up brief clips of rookie quarterbacks throwing darts, veteran players in new places, stars showing up even though everyone knows they'd probably rather be someplace else. Nowhere is there more excitement than Cleveland. Baker Mayfield throwing a touchdown to Odell Beckham Jr. in practice has the whole town in a frenzy. But they're not alone. There's optimism everywhere. Whether it's Tom Brady reporting for his 20th minicamp in New England or Dwayne Haskins making big throws in D.C., it's still way too early, but it's never too soon to start dreaming. So enjoy the countless media reports from minicamp. If it's false optimism and your team isn't good, well, at least it'll be a little while before you realize that. I'm Dan Patrick, and this is Above the Noise.